Welcome to the All Souls Episcopal Parish and Berkeley's Sermon Podcast. Today is the third Sunday of Advent, and we hear from the Reverend Phil Burchard as he preaches from the lectionary, which this week was Matthew chapter 11, verses 2 to 11. As always, you can find more sermons or information about All Souls on our homepage, which is allsoulsparish.org. Imagine what it would take for someone like John the Baptist, uh, a decrier of broods of vipers, a proclaimer that he was not worthy to even carry the sandals of Jesus. Can you imagine the state of mind required for him to later send a couple of his disciples to ask Jesus? if he really was the one that they'd been waiting for. This Advent, uh, we're telling the story leading up to the birth of the Messiah, uh, kind of like a Quentin Tarantino film. We've started with the kind of the end of all things a few weeks ago, and then we uh, went back to the River Jordan where John was proclaiming the way And then today we've jumped ahead to this poignant scene where John is alone in his prison cell awaiting his inevitable death. And it was just last week when we told this story that confidence was just spilling forth from John in the wilderness. He was calling out the religious authorities and the elites and proclaiming the way of the Lord and the one who was coming into this world who would be baptizing with fire and the Holy Spirit. There seemed to be no doubt at all in John's mind. And this week, We find a John who has seemingly lost any feeling of surety at all as he sits in prison. I think it's important to remember that uh, prison in the first century was a way station. You were either released, someone paid your debt, or you were executed. Prison was not a place for rehabilitation. And given John's evisceration of the political and religious authorities, he knows that there is little likelihood of his release. John is going to die. His life's work of leading people back to God is now behind him. And I think he's wondering. So he summons up his courage and he asks a couple of his faithful followers to ask the teacher from Nazareth the question that matters to him most. Are you the one who is to come? Or are we to wait for another? Now, I've, I've lamented before 
that rarely in Scripture do we get descriptions of a person's emotional state. We just get their words. So I've been wondering this week about John's emotional state as he sits in that dark, dank prison cell. Was he looking for reassurance? Did he not trust the reports that he was getting? Was he filled with regret, replaying over and over and over those proclamations at the river? I think he was wondering, can I trust the one that I called the Christ? At the, I'd like for us to pay attention to the, the beginning of the passage that we just heard from Matthew's gospel. It, um, the gospel writer uh, does his best, I think, or their best to frame the narrative very carefully by telling us that when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, the account is clear to tell us that Jesus was the Christ. In Greek here, the, the Christos, coming from the Hebrew, the Messiah. I mean, the text could have read that John had heard about the deeds of Jesus of Nazareth, but instead makes it clear that Jesus is the Messiah at the outset. I think it's also important to remember what the people of Israel were waiting for in this Messiah. In the Anointed One, they were waiting for someone who would redeem God's people, a king who would come and save them. Now, uh, in my life, I have not met a whole lot of folks who don't want in some way to be redeemed. But the question often is, what form does that redemption take? And John's question from prison, I think, takes on a different texture when we realize that in terms of our present-day scholarship, what we know today, we are not aware of any Jews in the first century who are looking for the Messiah to be a healer. None. A military leader, yes. Some were looking for that. A prophet who would teach them, that as well. But a healer? We don't have evidence of that. And so again, I wonder, what was the answer that John was expecting to receive? And we may never know what answer John was hoping for, but we have little doubt the answer that came back. For when John's disciples approach Jesus and they ask him if he is the one who is to come, or if they're to wait for another. In typical fashion, does Jesus actually answer the question? <laughs> no, at least not directly. Instead, reminiscent of John's preaching about repentance, Jesus points to the fruit 
that his work is bearing. That people are being healed and made whole. The chapters that precede the passage we just heard are essentially one story after another story after another story of healing. And the, the images that Jesus refers to all point back to Isaiah's prophecy and prophecy about healing. Jesus is saying to John, saying to John's disciples, saying to any of those there listening that day, saying to anyone who might encounter his life in the years to come. Do you want to know if I'm the one? Then hear what is happening. Through me, the power of God is at work, at work healing the world. The redemption of the people of Israel, the redemption of the world, wasn't coming through coercive force. The power of the Christ was known when people were healed and made whole. I suppose the reason why John's question of Jesus from his prison cell is the reason why it's so potent for me is because I think that many of us still ask that same question. Sometimes as plainly as in, is Jesus the Christ the one? For me, the answer is yes. And it's a question that all of us have to answer for ourselves. Other times, though, I, I think this question comes in the form of other ways that we might seek our own redemption. Sometimes I think it comes because we want to be saved by the threat of coercive force, whether through a gun in our own hands, a security force to protect us, or a military that outguns the next five combined. Whoever they are, we want them to pay, or at least we want them to be scared. Because then we will know that we are safe. And yet the report of John's disciples is that the power of God is fundamentally known when people are set free, set free of their pain and of their fear and of their suffering. This salvation, this liberation, does not come through armed rebellion or through threat or through coercion. We mistake the power of the Christ whenever we use our will over and against those who don't agree with us, who don't look like us, who don't eat like us, who don't act like us. The Savior of the lost, the last, and the least should not be confused with those who wield the most. Sometimes I think the impulse is as simple as, I want that. 
whether a car or a meal or a good school district. Sometimes it's for me, sometimes it's for someone that I love, and it's tempting to want to be the one who wields that force, even in defense of those who suffer, especially in defense of those who suffer. And it's as true in our geopolitics as it is in our marriages and in our classrooms and in our parishes. Friends, each advent of Christ the King we visit with John, and this year with John in prison. And I believe we do this so that we don't forget that if we really are going to follow this Christ, our trust belongs to the one who came to save the world by healing it first. First. 